Good morning and welcome to episode 47 of The Crownsman Show. This is a very special episode as today we are joined by Tom Palangio. He is the president of Whipware and he joins us once again in celebration of their 25th year anniversary. On May 18th, 2020, Whipware Incorporated celebrates 25 years in business. In this period, they have pioneered the technology and have literally wrote the book on blast fragmentation measurement, evidenced by this 315-page textbook that you see in the image below, um, published by Balcoma Press in 1996 at the Frag Blast 5 workshop in Montreal. Now, before we get started, um, we would like to thank all our sponsors. We are sponsored by PowerZone Equipment, when you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you need to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone, and you can visit them at PowerZone.com. We are also sponsored by Lampson. Lampson International is a third-generation family-owned and operated heavy lift and heavy haul construction company with branch offices located throughout North America, Canada, and Australia. Lampson International offers conventional crane rental, heavy transportation, project engineering, and customized rigging, steel, and timber mat rental, as well as marine and manufacturing services. They were founded in 1946 by Neil and Billy Jane Lampson. The company is in their 73rd year of doing business. And you can find out more at lampsoncrane.com. Now, let's get started with Tom Palangio and Jared Downey. Welcome to the Crownsman Show, everybody. Uh, this is a very special episode for me because for a couple reasons. We're getting the honor of uh, having Whipware, Tom Palangio from Whipware, celebrating 25 years of their company. Uh, and it's also a repeat guest on the show. Um, Tom was one of our first guests. And so it's very special to be able to celebrate with him and their company, but also have a return guest to the Crownsman Show. So welcome, Tom. How are you? Very good. Very good. This, despite, wanna... despite this, uh, this uh, recent uh, uh, issue with this COVID thing, <laughs> Yeah, well, you and I were planning, we planned this show uh, a few months ago, I think, and we were certainly planning to do it in person, but everything changed rather rapidly on us. That's right. Next week in, uh, in Vancouver, we were, we were scheduled. It's supposed to be, yeah, with CIM. And um, what, you know, I want to I kick off the show because, you know, people have seen the, you know, the show, but of course, our audience has grown since then. And, and I, can you just give us that quick cap of what Whipware is um, as a company. And then I want to get into, I mean, I want to get into what, when you started the company, I know you were sort of first in the space, you know, where you've traveled. I want to talk about the technology, the partnerships you've built. We're going to cover a lot today, but can you just give us that, that one minute of what Whipware offers? Yeah, basically Whipware provides, uh, I guess, uh, data, data for management, data for decisions. Um, a lot of things uh, are very difficult to improve uh, uh, or even track uh, in the absence of data. Um, our roots are in the explosives industry and, and certainly it was really difficult to, um, uh, you know, 
drill a drill a pattern and put explosives in the hole it goes boom and then everybody looks at it and says so what do you think and you assign it some kind of adjective it was good or fair or poor but really you need numbers you know you you need uniformity figures you it's hard to optimize the blast if if you, in the absence of those figures and uh when we started this which was uh you know over 25 years ago, um, there really wasn't that much, how should I say, there wasn't, there wasn't any way to quantify it, short of maybe taking all the material, the muck pile and passing it through sieves and screens and graded openings and trying to measure the, the, the fractions. Which is crazy. I mean, it, it, you, you can't do that. A blast could be uh, hundreds of thousands of tons of material that range in size from elephants uh, down to uh, dust. So, I mean, how are you going to measure that? Um, but it's a pretty important parameter and, and it's difficult to uh, improve a blast if you can't benchmark it. So that, that, was, that was really the uh, necessity. Uh, they say necessity is the mother of invention. So we, we, we looked for a way to, uh, to be able to put some numbers on that. And uh, we, uh, I searched the world, really. I was looking for, uh, you know, some way of doing it. And I went to Waterloo University, and there was some professors there that uh, had been doing some interesting things. Uh, Waterloo had an image enhancement program. They were uh, taking actually satellite imagery and they were taking other imagery and they were enhancing mm. it various ways. And uh, it looked as if there might be a way that we could uh, measure blast fragmentation using imagery, using photographs. And, uh, and we, we kind of, we tested it out. We proved the concept. Uh, we're talking uh, over 25 years ago. Um, and certainly the technology computer. must have been a bit different <laughs> what you were working with back then. Absolutely. We were, <laughs> we were using film cameras. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd take a picture with a film camera, you'd develop it, you'd, you'd print it in an 8 by 10 and you'd put tracing paper over it and you would uh, trace wow. the edge of each and every particle that you saw. And then you'd use uh, various devices in that to compute the areas. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but it was still more convenient than trying to sieve the blast. Right, yeah, uh, <laughs> than physically and, uh, moving everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, computers did improve. Imaging technology improved. Um, and uh, we, were, we were able to kind of automate that and, you know, we we kind of started off, uh, one of the things, once we started to derive data, we could use that to uh, validate the blast models that we were using within the explosives company I was with, with the DuPont company. Mm. And and that was really a breakthrough for those days, for those times, you know. Um, before that, blast optimization was uh, considered to be uh, um, you know, maybe re reduce some drilling, reduce some uh, explosives consumption, uh, uh, reduce some uh, some blasting costs, and yet nobody paid too much attention to the downstream effects. So yeah, you might save some drilling and some drill bits and, and, and mm -hmm. some 
you know, accessories and explosives costs. But somewhere down the line, particularly in mining and aggregates, um, you know, the, the, the mill throughput was suffering, but people never put these things together, you know. And uh, once we started to measure and, 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 you know, compute sizes and then look at total production costs, a whole bunch of things emerged uh, that there was uh, really, really big savings uh, involved if people would blast the right way. Um, every well, operation. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I, just, I was just going to ask, Tom. So you were doing this with Waterloo. Um, and then you were also working for DuPont at the time. So were you doing that as a representative of DuPont or was this a separate thing that you were, were working on while you were, were with DuPont? I, I, was, uh, I was in a technical service group at DuPont and, uh, mm. and uh, you know, we, uh, DuPont was a great company to work for. They were always, you know, looking for innovative ways of doing things. Um, and uh, we, we developed it as a tool to use in-house at DuPont, and uh, and like I say, we just uh, we used it for our own own means and that. But uh, it uh, it certainly uh, once once you create a tool like that, people found that there was all kinds of other things that we could use it for. Um, the explosives companies make a lot of uh, ANFO, ammonium nitrate and fuel oil, and uh, the prills that uh, that the uh, that the ANFO is made from, they tend to be a certain specific size and stuff like that. Mm. Um, the imaging technology was even good for measuring the prill sizes. So it was kind of a oh, quality, quality control thing, even in the, in the production of, uh, of ANFO. Even um, in those early days. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 People, people didn't understand, uh, in order to get the proper oxygen balance that, uh, the prill had to be a certain size. Because the uh, when you put the fuel oil on it, it, uh, it depends upon the surface area to get to, to get the ratio right. They they take these prills and they uh, they convey them in uh, maybe screw augers that uh, like the types of augers that you use for grain and agricultural products. Mm -hmm. And if the auger was moving too fast, the prills would get beat down, and all of a sudden they wouldn't be the same size anymore. So you know it enabled us to kind of measure the prill size see what the maximum transit velocities were, things like that. Like it, it just, when you come up with a tool like this, you, you find all kinds of things that you never really thought of before. You know, you, you've, you've got a tool now. Right. It, it's, it's sort of an interesting journey that you took as well um, because you moved on from DuPont um, and, and to start your own company with the technology. But then wasn't there there was some sort of agreement that you ended up uh, signing with them because they, maybe they looked at it as competition or what was, what was that um, setup that you ended up with? It sort of actually ended up turning you into having global partners because of it. Yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. I spent a lot of time with DuPont actually probably almost a third of my, my life with them. Great company to work for. Um, uh, DuPont uh, became, um, Explosive Technologies International, ETI. And uh, the business started to change a little bit. Um, it, it, uh, it, uh, it, it started to evolve. And in, uh, in, in 95, I thought, you know, maybe, 
maybe it's time for me to get out and, and start my own business. And I, I, and I was a, I was an explosives. I was a blast consultant. And, um, and so I, I decided I would go and do that. Now, like I say, working for DuPont was a great, uh, a great education for me and a great opportunity. And, and actually when I left, I probably had my name on quite a few different patents and that. And if one thing, you know, the explosives company, just like any company like that, is, is kind of protective about technology. Yes. They were a little, a little concerned maybe that, uh, that uh, maybe I would, uh, I would divulge some of this information to their competitors or something like that. So we had an agreement that uh, I wouldn't work in, uh, in North America for uh, about three years. And, and I, no, was good all, with, I was all good. All of North America? All of North America, yeah. Oh wow! Okay, and uh, the uh, I was good with that because it was a you know a way that I could get started. Right. Um, Blast Consulting is uh, is global. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of the, the, some of the first jobs that started to roll in were uh, were in Panama. Uh, the U.S. Army was uh, was doing some work on the Panama Canal, and uh, and I went down there and did some consulting. And then from there, I went to uh, I went to Peru. Uh, I worked for uh, a, a company there, um, uh, Southern Peru Copper and uh, and Exa, uh, an explosive company there. And from there, I went to Chile, and uh, and worked for uh, Cadelco and uh, and another explosive manufacturer, Enax, and. Uh, Again, when I went there, I, I went there on a consulting basis. And, and when I went there, I, uh, I would actually use as a, one of my tools was this, uh, this WIPFRAG, this analysis method that I developed, you know, uh, because Canadian law is such that uh, whoever writes the software owns the, 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 uh, the technology. And uh, so I got in touch with the, the professor and, and one of his students at the time and formed this company called Whipware in 95. Um, after Chile, I went to South Africa and uh, worked for uh, Nexa. That's the Nuclear Energy Corporation in South Africa and Sasol and a few other companies. And uh, from there, I went to uh, Australia and uh, put in uh, facilities at Hammersley Iron and a few other operations. And by that time, the three years was up. Um, so that was all over three years, Tom, that you, you covered all that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to pack into three years, especially with the new technology and all those different, different, <laughs> different countries and continents. Well, and, and, and that's the nature of, of explosives consulting. You know, when, when you go to a place, you're, you're, you're troubleshooting. You're, you're going there, you're solving problems. And that's, that's what I love to do. That's what I was doing for DuPont. And, um, and, uh, but ironically, at the end of the three years, um, there's a lot of people throughout the world that have uh, acquired uh, Whipfrag products. So I've got an international business, but there's really no domestic business because I, mm-hmm. I, I never worked in North America. So, so I wanted to ask Tom. Sorry, I wanted to clarify something of this. So you're developing. You've got Whipfrag um, that you've. I'm sure it's continuing to evolve over those three years. 
Now, as you're doing that, is there is there more business being generated? So when you go from Peru to Chile to South Africa, is there still now, do you have partners now that you're leaving behind in Peru that you're still have an ongoing relationship with? Yeah. Yeah. No matter where I went, you know, people said, uh, uh, gee, uh, you know, uh, can we represent you here? In mm. fact, one of the, one of the big things was, uh, the explosives manufacturers all wanted to represent our product because it was such a novel thing for the industry. Um, I, I kind of shied away from doing that. I, I, I know the competitive nature of, of explosive uh, industry. Yeah. And I thought if I threw in with one, I'd alienate myself to all the others. So I always kept it, it, it away from that. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, no, we had, uh, we had distributors and agents in, in every, uh, every country. And, uh, and, we, and we have them to this day, you know. Really? That you, you still carry on some of those original relationships that you built? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, so you come, so this three years is up, and you've, you've kind of built an international network um, that you're saying you're still carrying on to this day. You come back to Canada, um, and, and then what, what do you do next after you've, You've sort of gone from DuPont for, you said, a third of your career. You've, you've toured the world, and now you're back to Canada. What, what comes next? Well, so then, then I started to try and, uh, you know, promote uh, North American business and a little more domestic stuff. And I, I live in the country. Uh, you know, I have 150 acres out out in the bush. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Sounds like where I grew up. It it. it it's really hard to uh, carry on uh, international business from a rural address like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I pestered uh, the powers that be and, uh, and they actually put high speed internet into my house. Now this is back in, in 95, but even the township I live in didn't have high speed. And, <laughs> and I, I was kind of the poster boy for uh, Bell Canada for a while. Uh, and you can see today even, uh, I mean, if, if you want to start a business at all, I mean, you have to be connected. And mm -hmm. those days, those days it was really important because, uh, you know, people would send me imagery from, from Johannesburg, uh, you know, from anywhere in the world. And, and when we were on dial-up, I mean, it would take all, all night to download a bunch of images so you could oh, analyze them and imagine. process them and get them back. Um, so, you know, these days it's a far cry from that, but that just shows the way the industry has evolved and the, the way things got better. I, I, I think it's worth noting you love being out there so much. You weren't willing to trade, uh, simpler operations for being in a city. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, but, but back in those, so in the, in those times you were doing this. So how are you doing the analysis back then? Because, and we're going to get into some of this technology that you have now, that's obviously evolved, but back then they actually had to send it. I know you still provide a service similar to that, but they had to send it. And you do, did it go into a computer software back then? Or was there, it was it actually manually um, assessed on, on what everything you were looking at? Well, at, at one time, I think one of the, one of the big breakthroughs in this, this is funny. And, uh, 
uh, Sony came out with a, a camera called the Mavica, and, and it would actually write uh, the data for the image onto a, onto a floppy disk. That was oh. phenomenal, you know? You could take that floppy disk then and you could put it in an envelope and you, and you, and you, could, you could ship it. Okay. And, uh, and then, yeah, right. Yeah. And then as, as, as the internet got better in that, of course, you could transmit these images digitally. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's even, we did a lot of video stuff early on, you know, mm. uh, video oh, camera. Did you? Yeah. Footage. Wow. It was, uh, I just want to get, make sure I got my spot here. Um, so I wanted to, Sorry, I'm just tr checking my, my place here. So you getting back, um, you know, and like I said, we'll get into the technology here shortly. So w from the time that you get back to Canada to the time where people are sending you the high-speed internet, when does, when does the technology, you know, whip frag, mail frag, momentum, you know, when does this stuff start to roll out in I mean, the app world at this time, there was, there wasn't, I, I don't even think there was a thing called an app until yeah. mid 2000s. So when did, when did it essentially go all digital? And then when did those apps start rolling out? And then we'll dig into what those apps actually did, but what was sort of that timeline? Um, I guess people were, people were buying the software, um, to be able to do, take the picture and maybe do an analysis themselves. And then, and, and basically the, all the early stuff was pretty well all, you know, blast fragmentation. Um, then people said, hey, you know, uh, we have material running on a conveyor and, and we have mm -hmm. to stop that conveyor um, once a day or, or whatever and uh, take a, uh, wheelbarrows and shovels and, and take off a sample and send it to a, a lab somewhere. Um, and we find out maybe six, seven hours later that uh, we're off spec. And, mm. uh, you know, maybe we could use your technology. Um, so we stop the conveyor and instead of shoveling it all off and everything else, we'll just take a picture of it. And we know kind of quickly exactly where we are. And uh, we said, if we tell you what, you don't even have to stop the conveyor. Like uh, if, if we provide adequate lighting and high enough shutter speed and everything else, we can freeze that material and mm -hmm. you don't even have to lose the production time though. We'll measure it on the fly. In fact, uh, computers got fast enough that uh, we won't even take a grab sample. We'll measure it continuously. So if all of a sudden uh, your, your, your crusher loses its gap or, uh, or, or one of your screens, uh, you know, develops a break, um, you know, we can tell you right away. We can give you an alarm. And that was phenomenal uh, to the industry because so many times did they, uh, did they operate with broken screens and uh, contaminate stockpiles and, uh, you know, things like this, like, Construction aggregates is a very uh, precise, you know, the, the material really has to be on spec for it to pass mm -hmm. a lot of different things. So that was a big breakthrough. Um, and that was, you know, that was aggregates. 
mineral processing, the mining industry is uh, basically it's uh, material handling, very sophisticated material handling, mm-hmm. but it, uh, it, uh, it's making small rocks out of big rocks. You know, you, you, you drill it and you blast it so it's small enough that you can get it into a truck, so you can get it into a crusher that reduces it again, and then you put it into, you know, another device. It could be a mill or whatever. You basically have to take that material uh, from whatever size it is and reduce it down to uh, 200 mesh, which is the consistency of flour, mm-hmm. for you to be able to liberate whatever mineral you're after. Um, so that whole process of, uh, of comminution, um, at every stage, you can use our technology to measure it. We have a motto, you, you can't manage what you can't measure. So mm-hmm. how, how do you improve that whole process if you can't measure at individual steps? And, and quickly. Uh, and quickly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, sorry, go ahead. So that... That started to twig on, and, and, and there were a lot of early adapters. And I, when I look back, I, I got to think, uh, I think you had Roy Slack on uh, an interview. We did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roy, Roy's a pretty good fella, and he says that, that everybody embraces change, but nobody wants to change. And that's the way yeah. the in- industry was, you know? Nobody wanted to take a chance on some of this stuff. We had some early adopters, and I, I'm trying to think. Like, I remember Highland Valley Copper. We had a, a guy there by the name of uh, Jack Rainey, and there was uh, um, another fella. My gosh, his name escapes me right now. But they really had the vision uh, to think that you know, if if we could save like eight percent, we're talking about millions of dollars. Okay, um, so they adapted adopted that technology. I remember the guy's name. It was Dr. Adrian Dance, and he actually he he became very famous using our technology, and he traveled all around the world to helping other operations uh, optimize, wow. modernize things. Yeah. And would, did they did they take that on the early days? Like, was it uh, was there any level of risk, or was it pretty proven by that time? There was a level of risk. Um, the, the, the mining industry tends to be a little bit like that. Everybody wants to be first to be second. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you want the, you exactly. Want the, you, you want the other guy to take the chance first, and if it works. <laughs> Actually, the industry has really changed now. Um, they, they, they're, they've seen the advantages of trying to change things. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if they fail they consider it to be a success because it just yeah. means there is another thing that doesn't work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they, they uh, some of the, some of the buzzwords are, uh, we'll get in there and we'll fail fast or we'll prove yeah. it. And either way right. we're ahead of the game, you know? And uh, so that, that's, that's kind of the way people are operating now. There's a whole new set of eyes looking at the whole process and, and they're willing to embrace technology or whatever else in order to make it better. That yeah, didn't... I've noticed it. Yeah, I, I noticed it even on our show that at one time, like now we've done mining now and, and putting out that at one time mines didn't, what they wouldn't even consider coming like 
full operation, like large scale mines wouldn't even consider coming on our show. And now they're starting to even want to communicate their technology ideas, their company values in, in these types of formats that you and I are. So you're seeing, even for me in the last couple of years, I've seen more of a shift. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I think in the past, maybe it was a lot more uh, competitive. Mm-hmm. And, and if, uh, actually, we ran into that too. We'd go into an operation, and I won't mention any names, but you go into an operation and you, you show them how they can save uh, $2.5 million a year. Um, and then you go to them and say, hey, how would you like to give us a testimonial? <laughs> And, and they say, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no. Yeah, no. Because it's a very competitive business. Now, yeah. I mean, if, 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 if you find a way to improve things, um, <laughs> why would you want to tell all your competitors? <laughs> so you, you run into this. And yet I'm seeing in the mining industry now, people are, are, are being more open. Um, they're sharing technology, uh, which has got to be a good thing. It's got to be a good thing for everybody. Well, I think it's going to be good also for, for um, you know, as younger people get into the mining industry, as, as it becomes more public, people will understand it better. Usually when people understand things a little bit better, it's a little easier to trust. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of advantages to it. And was it, I mean, when you were doing this, I mean, again, you traveled around the world. Now you've developed, you know, you've developed the, the systems for the cranes, um, or for the, for the cranes, for the conveyors. And was it, was it a hard sell? Uh, you know, over the last 25 years, if you talk to 100 people, would, would, fifth, would half of them go for it? Or was it a lot of work to, to get people, um, you know, are, are you talking about, you know, people want to change or they want change, but they don't, they, they don't want to change themselves. Was that a major hurdle for the company in building it up? No, not so much. Once, mm. once, once you did have a proven application somewhere, the right. word gets the word gets around. Um, you know, the industry is uh, the sector. I guess uh, you know people are quite mobile. They move from operation to operation. If yeah. if you get wind that somebody's doing something in a new way, um, it 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 soon spreads and and everybody's willing to try it you know it's ready to go um right. so it, it 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 spread fairly rapidly and and the other thing too that i should point out that when you are successful in a, in an application like this um the 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 people that are the early adopters the people that are smart enough to recognize the opportunities here they tend to be quite upwardly mobile. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you, you phone five months later and you say, where's Charlie? Oh, well, he's promoted now. He's the vice president or something. Right, so, yeah. And, and, and these people, they move around and, and uh, they, they like to plug in, you know, the, the experience they've had at different operations. So that kind of grows on itself. Yeah, they kind of either move, move up or out. Right. Those types yeah. of people. Yeah. 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 Um, Tom, I want to go, you know, at, at, 
there's a few other things I want to talk to you about because really you you have frontiered of technology across an entire industry, but I don't I don't want to kind of get through this interview without highlighting the technology itself and be able to show people some of it. So could you just quickly we'll just kind of walk us through? You know, you got the emit image analysis, conveyor analysis, vehicle. Can you just kind of walk us through a first? Uh, we touched on it a bit, so just quickly the whip frag. Uh, and the mail frag technology, and then move on to momentum and solo, and just and just sort of give the audience uh, an idea of what those are. We'll show pictures up on the screen for them, and so they can see it. Yeah, um, yeah. So the, the you know the early stuff was uh, there was quite a manual component to it. Uh, you know, you had the software, you took the pictures, you did the analysis, it gave you the results. Uh, when you start to get in more automated settings, it required. Uh, a lot more automation and robotics and everything else, sensing devices. Um, mm. So you'd know when the truck was there, you'd know, you know, various things. People come to us also with uh, industry problems and we right. love that. We love that. Uh, I have such a talented uh, group here that uh, they just love solve solving problems, you know? And uh, if you come to us and say, look, um, you know, we're getting a lot of contamination or, uh, or, or, you know, we're getting this or we're getting that or, or we need something to at least warn us when we're off spec or off standard um, uh, or maybe even, uh, you know, divert material that's, that's waste instead of ore. We can do that. I mean, you know, we can, we can use, we have all kinds of techniques that we can employ. You know, we, we do coloration, we do Right. Uh, volumetrics we do uh, densities we do a whole bunch of different things so but when you when you start coming up with a, a totally uh, a totally automated solution um, and it has to operate in, in in climates around the world I mean you know it could be 20 below or it could be you know 40 above um, it, it it could be dusty. It could be, you know, there's all kinds of things. So we have to build these things that'll meet all the electrical standards of these com uh, these countries and, uh, and to withstand and, and operate under some pretty severe environments. And so this is why we start to create all these others. We, we created momentum um, where you could take uh, and you could put uh, monitoring spots on conveyors throughout your whole operation and uh, feed it all back to one place. And that was an early, early unit. It was fairly easy. Um, we introduced a uh, uh, solo unit, we called it. It's completely self-contained and I could actually put it on a conveyor belt uh, during coffee break, okay? So like all yeah, I, I saw. I was seeing the pictures. It looked very yeah. straightforward, actually. Like like you know when you when you put the traditional technology and and you had to run fiber optics maybe and and you had to have electricians and everything else. All we need with the solo unit is a, a electrical uh, outlet, a, a mm. power supply, and uh, we can come in, shut that conveyor down, go have coffee. By the time you come back, it's it's operational. And, and, you know, again, we're getting to the point where we don't want to uh, reduce people's production time. You right. know, if, if you've got to be climbing over conveyors and doing all kinds of things, you're, you're, you're stopping their production. So 
we, we made solo so you wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have to do that. And, you know, outfits, actually, they would buy it. They would buy one unit, and it's so portable. They'd, they'd monitor material at certain locations, and, uh, and they'd move it somewhere else and maybe even a different, uh, a different site. And then they found out that, you know, it's so useful that let's just leave it here and buy another one. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's the way it evolves, you know? Yeah. Once, and they're, yeah. And they're attaching onto, I mean, you're attaching them onto vehicles and everything, right? Uh, is, is reflex, is reflex a different thing? Cause I noticed the vehicle analysis solo and momentum both go under the conveyor analysis, but on the vehicle analysis, there's momentum and reflex. Could you outline the different, what reflex is? Yeah, re reflex is a unit that, um, that uh, we usually set up at a primary crusher. Um, oh, okay. So, so after the blast, the, uh, uh, all the, the material from the blast gets loaded onto trucks. Uh, we had tried it at various times to kind of monitor the material when they were putting it on the truck on a shovel and that, but... It, right. It's a very difficult application there because it's 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 dusty, it's dirty. Uh, the lighting is continuously variable. Um, there's there's vibration. The whole, whole, it's just not a very good spot to be, you know, taking samples. Mm -hmm. We prefer instead that you load the material onto a truck. When that truck shows up at the primary crusher we measure it as it ravels out of the truck. We not only see the surface of it, but we see each layer as it's going into the crusher. We know what that truck is, where that truck came from. And really when you want to do blast optimization, all you do is take all those trucks from that blast and merge it together. And theoretically you see every particle that was generated in that blast. Mm, wow, the, yeah. The industry's never been able to do that before. That that was just, you know, it, it, it's that's that's the Cadillac. You know, that's that's the one you you really want. Today, the explosives uh, has come such a, a long way. So uh, there there's so much innovation in in not only explosives technology but uh, but timing uh, detonators. Uh, there's so many things you can do. Um, but some of the changes are so subtle that uh, this is the best way to capture it, to actually see if you're improving the blast or not. You know? So that's reflex. We, and we've put that out for quite a while. Um, that can also be used, uh, that similar technology like that can be used if you're, uh, if you're loading uh, rail cars or you're loading ships. Uh, it just goes on and on because it's, it's so useful. I was going to actually ask you, Tom, the, you, you talked about, you mentioned Highland Valley Copper, but there's also smaller aggregate operations and mining operations. Is there, when you get into something, you know, because you do, I, I noticed with whip frag and mail frag, they're actually, they're still, there is that premise still of your company where they're sending you the information and you're, you're uh, diagnosing what, what they have going on. Is it, is it a cost thing for companies, whereas someone like a Highland Valley Copper is going to, they're going to use like, uh, uh, 
you can correct me for saying it wrong, but your top tier technology or a smaller operation, it's better for them to send it to you for you to analyze it. Is that so? Is there sort of a split there, or does everybody kind of use what it, all of it? Um, some of, some of the smaller operations, uh, like say aggregate operations, some of them are family owned. Some of them are pretty small. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 really, it's a, it's a big capital investment, maybe to you know some big automated machine, especially when you don't know the full benefits yet. Right. Uh, yeah. So for, for those people, we, we, you know, we offer them options. Yeah. You can take some pictures, send them to us. We'll analyze them for you. We'll send you the results back within, within 48 hours. Um, and you can decide for yourself, you know, how to, how to do it. Um, there's, there's other people or, or actually even that once people see the value of the data, then they'll say, hey, you know, uh, this is really good and I need this all the time. And they'll go ahead and they'll, they'll, they'll put in, a, you know, a smaller system. Um, right. We have vertex units now, we call them, and they're very small, self-contained. And, and, and they'll oh, yeah. just, they'll key in on just one key performance indicator. You know, right. maybe, maybe all they'll measure is top size. And, and that's ideal for some people. You know, mm-hmm. if, if top size is your, is your big issue, then we can do it. Yeah. It's yeah. So you really can, I mean, it's, it's going from all these way up to the Highland Valley coppers down to these little aggregate operations. And, you know, for someone that's doing it, I want to circle back into, I mean, 25 years for a company, for a company to make it over five years um, is a success story. Um, 25 years. And now I, I know your son, um, i I believe he's the acting president. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yes. Pretty. Yeah. Well. Uh, of the of the company, and you, you know, we, you have to de- be able to develop partnerships, and we touch on it quite often on in shows. Um, but what is it? You know, you have the technology, so you have the capabilities, and you had a, a service. But there's more to it than that, especially in an industry that's. Cl- uh, maybe it's shifted a bit, but over the years has been, you know, second to change, not, not first. Um, how have you approached that? How, how do you, how do you go from, from DuPont? You have to go to all these other countries as a consultant. Obviously you'd had a background in it. So, you know, you, you'd made your teeth already, but to develop those relationships, come back, build a business in Canada, get Bell to then put high speed internet into your, into your 150 acres, you know, all this type of stuff. How do you, how did you approach that? Is it, the one thing, is it natural? Did you learn it? You know, did you make enough mistakes that you learned how to do it better? You know, sort of what's that journey been over 25 years of doing it? Yeah. You, you learn it. Um, when I started off, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't that, that savvy when it comes to sales and promotion and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I like to establish relationships between people. You know, sometime you meet somebody and you just know that you want to do business with that type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a lot, a lot of the early stuff was like that. It was, it was relationships. Um, as you move on in that, you find that uh, a lot of people want to represent you um, 
because the product that they're handling right now integrates so well with the product you have. It's a good fit. And, and you know, we've established a lot of real good long-term relationships with companies that do that. Um, so that's a good, that's a good marriage usually, you know. Um, yeah, that's pretty well what we do now. We have, we have representatives on every continent. Um, some of them uh, are, are, are pretty, pretty big organizations. And, uh, yeah, I saw the list. Yeah, they, they uh, you know, they do a lot of good things and, and we're really pleased to be working with them, um, you know, and, 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 you know, filling in some, some part of what they do. It's, it's a challenge, you know, to, to, to market a product globally. I mean, there's, there's barriers of culture and language and uh, everything else. Like you need good people in, in good places. Because that's the other issue too. We just don't like to develop and sell a product. We like to maintain it. You know, mm -hmm. we have to. We have to. There's a learning curve. I mean, I just can't all of a sudden throw a piece of technology at you and expect that you're going to be able to, you know, get the most out of it. And uh, so, yeah, no, it, it's a big uh, team effort. And uh, again, the the group I have is 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 really really great. They're all young guys and. Uh, and and when you're young, you can do anything, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> you need you need wisdom though of experience, and you know, when you did you have the vision of where you would go? And again, I I you know you sent us a picture, and we'll show that up on the screen of the companies you've worked with, and some of them are absolutely fantastic companies, and some of the customers you've had. And did you? Did you have that vision? Did it start as a love for developing these systems or as a demand from when you were working for DuPont? And then as you developed, you just kept wanting to, you know, it's just the, the problem solving. What sort of drove the innovation? Because you certainly didn't stop at, at developing Whipfrag and letting that ride. You kept developing and mm -hmm. still releasing new products. And I see on your website, now it's available on the Android as well as, you know, so it's continual development. It, where does that where does that come from for you? Well, I guess when the, the, the latter years when I was with Dupont and and, and ETI, um, I was basically in uh, troubleshooting and problem solving, and uh, and I like that. You you like helping people. You like solving problems, and you like to go in with an outside set of eyes and kind of look. Mm -hmm. And not only identify problems, but get down to root causes, you know, ask yourself why six or seven times and, and get right down to the root of it. Um, and, 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 you know, basically, we enjoy doing that. It, it really gives me a lot of satisfaction. To, you know, if somebody has a problem, they bring it to us and we're able to solve it. That, that's, there's nothing better than that for us, you know. So. You... Um... Oh, I just, I think I heard a little pop in my ear. I'm just making sure I still, still have sound and everything. Um, you know, and I, I was interesting cause I was talking to you and, um, you know, just sort of as we're, we're coming to a close on this and, you know, the last few minutes I was, I, you and your son were on the phone, uh, Thomas, were, um, in the call 
And, you know, for one, I could, I could hear the admiration in, in, of you in his voice talking. Just sometimes you can just hear it, um, even over the phone. And it's, and it just, it just strikes me of your, your ability to, to build the company out, still have family involved, still have these partners that you've had for years. And it's just, it's really a, a testament to what you do. And, and I didn't quite understand, uh, I didn't quite understand you until he actually said we should tell some of your stories about the traveling around the world. And I remember when we were at CIM and you were one of our first guests and seeing this, that you were willing to come on the show and, you know, out of all the people that, you know, a lot of people said, no, they wouldn't come on our show. And it's just, it says something about someone when they don't really know what it is, but they're willing to give it a shot. And I think it was Rory. Well, no, I know it was Rory that was talking to you and we'd never met. We met when you sat down in the chair <laughs> and we did the interview. And, and even that though, that you're, you're at CIM, they, they put on these, these big, the big trade show and, and conference and now you've got these group of young guys with cameras and lights everywhere, and we're, we're doing this show. How do you judge? How did you judge, you know, that Rory is, is worth talking to and you're going to come, and now, now almost two years later you're sitting there celebrating 25 years with us? You know, is, is that a judgment call, do you, you know, even if you don't really know where, who the person is? And how do you, how do you judge that? I, I, I'm curious even for myself <laughs> as I go through my career. I'm, I, I've never been, uh, I've never been averse to risk. Um, I'm willing to try anything, um, you know, within reason. Um, I, you know, I suppose I've, I've done so much. Uh, I think I told you at that first interview, uh, I'm a disruptor. Okay. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I look at the way people are doing things and, and, you know, I wonder why they're doing it that way. And, and, and if there's a better way to do it, let's do it. And, and to hell with tradition. And, uh, and uh, it, it can get you into some trouble now and then, but uh, then again, you, you know, you can make some headway. Um, and, and like I say, from, from the product, from its kind of humble beginnings, uh, I mean, today we've got people that are, uh, acquiring images using drones. Right, and, yeah, and, I saw and, that. You know, like, and, and you know, we, we took a piece of software that, you know, we were selling throughout the world and, and all kinds of repeat customers and everything else. And um, we've, we've enabled people. Now, we've, we've actually taken the software and we've put it on your phone or your mm -hmm. iPad, okay? And not only not only Apple products, but, but we've just introduced it on the Android. So I know for sure that you're carrying a cell phone and, and our technology could, could, yeah, our technology could be <laughs> on your phone, you know, like how cool is that? So, you know, if, if you're in a business where now and then you could benefit from, you know, a size measurement, um, like why wouldn't you have that because you're already carrying the device around it's a minimal cost and and you've got the convenience now you can take a picture and you can do an analysis right there and bang you've got a result so we've empowered yeah. people and hopefully you know people are going to say hey geez 
how did I ever do without this? You know, and that'll grow. That'll that'll keep germinating. You know, and that, I actually I have a question about that though. Is when you originally developed this, obviously there was a demand. Has most of the innovation that you've done been off of problem solving, and and that you develop it as a result of that, or is it pretty equal with taking you know R and D and and taking that initiative to go? We think people will want this. Is there sort of a balancing act that you've done with that, or is it sort of one side or the other? It's it's a bit of a balancing act, but but mostly, like I say, people will come to us and say, "Hey, I, you know, I just bought your product and and it really works good. And can you make it do this? Or you can make it do that." And we really listen to our clients, you know. So if somebody comes up with a, something that we discuss it, yeah, we can implement that. So let's do it. Mm-hmm. Keep making the product better all the time. I mean, that's that's the nature of it, you know. And yeah. uh, our our clients give us all kinds of great ideas, and and you know we our R and D budget is just unbelievable. Every new thing that comes along, we look at it, we see if there's a potential, we see if yeah. it'll you know improve our products. We don't stand still. Actually, if we have any fault, it's um, we don't say enough about our product. We don't we don't advertise that much. Uh, we've we've kind of depended on word of mouth um, we have a, we have a, a success rate like uh, most of the people that buy our products uh, 63% of them have bought them in the past okay mm. and that's and, a huge rate yeah and and people come to us and and they're interested in the product and we start talking to them and and they say oh yeah well that's like and they'll mention a competitive product and we say, oh, so you know about that? Yeah, well, you know, well, why are you looking at us? Well, it doesn't work so well. Because we've been at this for 25 years and we pioneered it, and everything we did wasn't successful by any means. You know, we discarded a lot of things. We used to do, uh, oh, I, I won't even start telling you the things that we did that didn't work out. But we've been through oh, come that. On. There must there must be one that stands out. <laughs> we we've been through that process, you know, and uh, uh, a lot of people, I think, uh, figure, oh, geez, uh, it's to take a picture and we'll go through some iterations and you know, we can do it. It's hard to get validation. It's hard to get something that really really works well, and uh, it it irks me in a way. We will work with anybody. If, if you think that you have a use for our product, don't try and reinvent it again. Come to us. Yeah. We'll, work, we'll work with you. Because it really, it really hurts you and it really hurts us. If, if you think that you can uh, do what we do and you come up with an inferior product, and I've seen this time and time again, um, people think, oh, well, I can do that. They come up with something and it's inferior and people say, oh, I tried that image analysis stuff from so-and-so and it doesn't work. So they figure all of it's garbage. Right. Yeah. Okay? I'd rather them come to us and, and uh, we'll work with them. Um, and, and at least you'll have the best and it won't cost you that much. And, right. and, and we do that with companies now. You know, uh, companies will come to us and say, look, we'll buy it. And uh, we'll rebrand it, and we'll, we'll call it something yeah, else. Yeah, I yours. saw that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and that's good. That's good. We'll, we like that. That's great. It's an interesting thing that you said, actually. So even if they're rebranding, at least you know that the technology has a quality, the quality behind it. So that the, the quality, it's, it actually, in the long run, it, it, it actually does better for you that people trust the technology itself. It's, it's an interesting point of view. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, you've, I'm sure you've had people that have been with you a long time, Tom. And as we wrap up the interview, I, I wondered if there's anybody, you know, and I don't want to put you on the spot with this, um, but, um, well, I guess I do because I am. <laughs> but uh, I just wondered if there's anybody you want to mention um, after, after 25 years because, I mean, th- uh, of course, I, you made it pretty clear with the people you've worked with and that it hasn't just been you. And, and I, you know, I'd like to give you a chance to do that as we wrap up the show. Yeah, well, for sure. It's... Uh... As I mentioned, it's we've we've got quite a team here, and uh, my son my son graduated. He's a mining engineer, and uh, uh, he'd been offered jobs at a lot of different mining operations and that throughout the country. Uh, he preferred to stay with me, and uh, he's been running it. and And let me tell you, technology uh, advances in in imaging and computers and all that. That's a young man's game. It's not not for us old guys. <laughs> And uh, he's taken the company, uh, and uh, he runs the development. Uh, he hires the programmers. He takes care of the distributors. He, he's, the, he's the leadership behind the organization these days, and uh, we're pretty proud of him. Yeah. And, uh, and like I say, he's assembled quite a good team, and uh, there's, there's not too much that they can't do. So we've been lucky yeah. that one. That's good to hear. And I, I, I'm glad, you know, you have that, that relationship to be able to, you know, sort of get it on to the next generation. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I wanted to say, I, I told you, uh, I don't think I mentioned the beginning of the show, but I mentioned it off air. Um, my, my wife bought me this hat and I've been saving it for you to, for your 25 years to celebrate. She bought it for me in Ottawa from a, from a place called, I got to get this right, it's the Saucy Milliner. And then you said, as soon as you said you were coming on the show, I, I put the bow on the box and I've not, I've not used this hat. And cause I, you know, I, it was, um, you were one of our first guests and now to have you back on two years later and be just a little sliver, um, to celebrate 25 years. And it is, it is an accomplishment worth, worth celebrating certainly. Um, so, so thanks for coming on Tom. Um, I, you know, and it, it was been good for me because I've actually got to understand the the company much better through prepping for this interview, and it's it's pretty amazing stuff that you're doing. It really is. Thank you, I appreciate it. And and had I known you were going to wear your hat, I would have wore mine. And I know that's what I thought. Hey, and they wouldn't get all this glare off the top of my head. Well, people probably think I'm trying to hide glare. I just want to prove. No, I'm. I still got. <laughs> okay, Tom. We're gonna to wrap up the show, and 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 thanks a lot for coming on again. Um, and I'm just gonna do a quick sign off to the camera, and and uh, we'll talk off air. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Gaudi will uh, sign us off um, with you know how you can stay connected and support the show. We we. Uh, you know, Tom's coming on here because you're watching, um, and and we just appreciate your support, especially through this is this is being filmed during COVID, 
And um, so every fan, every single person that watches us, we very much appreciate it. Thanks. And we'll, we've got plenty more episodes coming at you and we look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Thank you for watching. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can also listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a dedicated fan and would like to help support the production of The Crownsman Show, then please head on over to crownsman.com forward slash donations. We have set up two initial donation options, the five buck monthly subscription and the support heavy industry one-time donation. These are all through PayPal. Again, that's crownsman.com forward slash donations. Um, Thank you for all your support and we will see you on the next episode.